break, you know, shall we dive in? Let's dive in. All right. Oh, I should just quickly edit this. My okay, computer is so fucking loud. I'm going to get kind of anyways, <clears throat> whatever. <laughs> you sound fine to me. Okay, that's good. Good to know. <laughs> All right, dude. <clears throat> <clears throat> Hey you, you're listening to Sloancast, your one-stop shop deep dive where we discuss anything and everything about the greatest band of all time, Chris Murphy, Patrick Penland, Andrew Scott, and Jay Ferguson, collectively known as Sloan. We are your fellow superfan hosts. I'm Rob. This is Ken. Ken, let's cut right to the chase, my dude. This is an emergency episode of Sloancast because sure as, as every listener who's a, a fan of this podcast should know, we are mere days away from the band dropping its 13th studio album, Steady, on October 21st. And uh, Rob and I were fortunate enough to get our, our greasy little hands on a preview copy of this album so we can bring you the goods today and start to talk to you about how awesome of a piece of work this is for this band, which is 31 years old uh, this year on its 13th studio album that puts it squarely in the territory of like i don't know which bands it have puts certain- it in the territory of nobody let's just say that <laughs> like nobody is this prolific and this quality after this long like yeah. nobody's in this territory yes i gotta say and you know what we're gonna cut right to the chase guys we usually talk off the top of the show but uh, you know different different things go to at sloan for cmhf on instagram sloan for Kenny music hall of fame do all that good stuff but we're gonna get right to the talking about the tunes we're gonna play short clips of the of the songs here for you uh hopefully short enough not to get flagged uh and hopefully the episode stays up and uh yeah hopefully you are as excited as we are about this record coming out on october 21st so let's get right to it man first song Uh, this one has actually been uh, has been released. Technically, it's now streaming. Yes. Uh, this is Magical Thinking. Yeah. Uh, the, the third sort of preview song from the record, if you will, prior yes. to release. It's so interesting how right off the bat you can tell this is a different album than any of the third, any of the other 12 albums that they've released to date. Yeah. Right? And yeah. w- I think w- w- one tie uh, that binds every single song in this album and makes it kind of a unique statement is... Just that you notice how, especially Chris, but everybody in the band on this album is just pushing the musical envelope in terms of what you're allowed and not allowed to do on a Sloan album, right? So in this case, we it's dance rock. It's like we have 145 BPM, hi-hat, a ringing, four on the floor, dance rock happening. Uh, yeah. and, and yet, you know, it's sort of a familiar theme, I guess, if you will. Um, to line up well with the other songs in Chris's sort of atheist manifesto, existential, you know, what are what are we doing here? Uh, but what, what what for me is really super about this song is that it's doing that, you know, so far so good. For example, uh, which is uh, I would say of a similar weight to uh, magical thinking in terms of its lyrical content. It's a pretty heavy duty, lugubrious thing, right? This is this is like you can dance to this shit. 
Yeah, and tongue is firmly placed in cheek throughout the lyrics of this entire song, too. I saw a quote uh, posted from Chris recently about the song. He says, this song lampoons the idea of anyone who thinks that their feelings trump science. Yes, I think being alive is a miracle and that we should all be grateful, but people's beliefs ultimately mean nothing. And whatever those beliefs are, they shouldn't become legislation or be tax exempt, and I shouldn't have to respect them. And I don't. You know, <laughs> So no, no surprise in terms of the lyrical content here. It's fantastic. For me, this song is if you ball up, follow the leader, another way I could do it, and kind of sprinkle the lyrics of don't need excuses to be good yeah. put those three things together and it's this new and i mean and oh man chris murphy at the top of the album i'm putting my hand up in the air Whew. he is just killing it off the top i love uh that there's a little piano roll at the top yeah. uh reminiscent of like dancing queen by abba or something like it's just <laughs> sort of like uh, or no sorry it's not a piano it's a harp is it it is yeah. um, well there's some i'm i'm it's just sort of a mirror, perhaps the, the piano of Dancing Queen by ABBA, but it gives you this like, and the song's called Magical Thinking, but it gives you this sort of otherworldly special sauce right off the top and puts you in a mood, puts you in a place. And here is Murph at the top of the album with a little rocker that initially to me sort of the, the song that kind of came to mind was another way I could do it. But in, in a way, as much as I love that song, and it might be one of my favorite song songs, this one completely just tramples that song. Like this is so much more upbeat and so much more fun. Uh, you know, there's probably, you know, uh, I don't know, 500 words per minute in this song. And he's constantly got Patrick backing up, up, up with those really super tight harmonies, the super voice in there. Yes. They sound amazing. Yeah. Uh, I, I love every second of this song. It's so fantastic. The instrumentation is is really unique. It's that, that Glock harpsichord riff that, that's going on throughout the song. Um, it And just the way that the riffs are tied together here too. Um, I I didn't know that Chris was such a riff smith, but he he's really he's really flexing his muscles across the songs in this album, uh, and especially this one. And I you know each of his four tracks are completely different. That's so interesting mm. because you know there are albums in which you you could kind of make the claim that Chris is is working in a particular vein. Like I think that the stuff off of Commonwealth is all quite cohesive musically and the stuff on never hear the end of it a lot of it is actually pretty pretty cut from sort of the same musical cloth but in this in this case and we'll get to that once we get to the other songs that he has they're all just completely different and really four tracks that probably would not have fit very well on any of the other 12 albums yeah and and these are four of my favorite chris songs of all time like once we get to the end of this record and he really has this way like we've talked in the past of finding songs that sort of meld and sit well next to the other guy's songs. You know, like there's a song that sort of sits next to Jay really well, a little bit halfway through the album. He's got a rocker that kind of sits next to the Patrick songs. And then towards the end, he has sort of like a jaunty kind of like little upbeat early Beatles Dylan kind of little rock song that kind of feels nice next to the Andrew songs, you know, somebody right. who's more of like a Dylan guy, that kind of thing. So right. um, he's definitely uh, shining and playing his role here and, you know, magical thinking, you know, as much as the other songs may have some sort of ability to uh, uh, compliment the other guys, this one is Chris. Magical yes. thinking is Chris. This is his brain. This is his feeling. He is he's oozing. This song is oozing out of him, uh, and I love it. Such an incredible first song, and Sonar known obviously for incredible first songs on records. And uh, you know, you can really feel the tone of a record by the first track, and he sets the pace here for an absolute classic. Yes, I concur. Shall we move to track number two? This 
spend the day, which is again another track that listeners of this podcast will have been able to get intimately familiar with over the past about two months or so. This was the first track to drop uh, officially off of uh, Steady, and it's a Patrick track. And for me, it's almost like, and Patrick is good at doing this. It's almost like a meta level you know, retros- retrospective expression of everything that makes a Sloan single great. It's got, or at least a Patrick sing, it's got right off the bat, a super catchy riff. Um, that intro is instantly recognizable. Great guitar sounds, amazing harmonies, an easy to remember text, like you could sing along to it after the second listen. It's, yeah. it's almost like he's taking that classic Sloan single formula and just putting it up a level like it's it's really almost now like he already had the formula down pat and now he's like going to hyperdrive with the formula so I'll, I'll admit like i like the song on first listen but after listening to it 10 times i love the song like it's really one of my one of the two or three standouts on this album for me in terms of just hook and absolute catchiness um yeah. And it's also the first track, I think, where you really start to notice the interesting mixing decisions that Brian Hazlitt and co. made for, for the album that might set it apart from, uh, from previous outings. So listen, uh-huh. like, listen to that chunky bass in the mix. We saw, you got, you, like, you, you'll remember this, we saw pictures of, of Chris using Hazlitt's blue Mustang bass uh, in the studio to record this. It's. I, I don't think it's necessarily a difference in the instruments per se, because that that blue Mustang with the same pickup setup as Chris's normal red Mustang that that can't can sound that different. But they're concertedly mixing this bass maybe a little bit more with a little bit more direct signal, um, using it a little bit more prominently in the mix. And like these bass lines are huge on this album, and it just sounds awesome. This this song, I mean, all of the songs, but the Patrick stuff especially has a familiarity. Yeah. Uh, whether it be the production or the songwriting, uh, you, as soon as you hear it, it's like ah, there it is. Yeah. You know, there's that sound that I love. Uh, it's it's you know, to use a word from Chris's first song, it's magical. You know, and mm. uh, whether it be in the studio, we know we've we've real we've found out over the past year and hearing stories about recording that the drums were recorded um, in the same manner that they recorded with one chord to another to like a tape deck, essentially yeah. analog. Yeah. Um, so there's that sort of, I don't want to say retro sound, but it doesn't definitely has a quality to it that is very distinct and, and certainly reminiscent of one chord to another. Like if you play me this record and said like, Hey, here's like 12 outtakes from the one chord Navy blues era. I would totally believe you. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's, it's certainly right in that vein. And instead of sort of re repurposing a a sort of formula, Patrick, especially with his three songs here, the third being very different. Yes. uh, He's sort of tapping into that special goodness. I mean, for me, like, you know, I've, I've enjoyed Patrick over the years, but you know, he hasn't, for me, like my favorite Patrick stuff is sort of 2006, that kind of thing. Right. You know, Ill Place Trust and that yeah. sort of thing. Yeah. Uh, and, I, and like I said, I've loved a lot of his tracks since, obviously, but he's really kind of back to whatever formula he was working with and doing in the, in the early to mid 2000s there. Yeah. Uh, this song is n- no exception. This, the next single as well. And then the third one as well. We'll get to that in a second. But yes, spend the day. Uh, again, here's Patrick talking to everybody. 
and singing about something really universal uh, and simple and, 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 and having something that anybody can listen to and relate to. I love how Patrick uses his voice on this album as an additional instrument. And it, it's really, he's playing with rhythm and cadence and stuff. But if yeah. you think about if you think about how he's singing these lyrics, it's not the way he sang on 12 or on Commonwealth or to yes. a certain extent on the previous couple albums. Like it's really like this, like it's just got a, a bit more boisterousness to it. Uh, and I love that in this case. It just adds something a little bit more dynamic than what we've been hearing uh, from his like vocal cadence uh, on the last couple of albums, and I think it's almost like he's using it like a lead guitar in this song. Like it sounds as though you could have written that, totally. you know, that line for just sort of a lead guitar line, and even just like the guitar sounds here. It if you listen closely to Patrick's three tracks, you know, well, especially the first two because the third one is very. Uh, it, it has more subtle guitars on it, uh, but it's just different guitar sounds from what we're used to hearing. And Patrick is constantly looking for tone. I'm going to use that in the, in the quotation marks for our gearheads out there, but like tone with an A. You know that guitar solo just sounds so great. It's like, oh, it's fantastic. You know, it's like this blunt toned, fuzzy wah sound. It's like early Brian May, Stone Cold Crazy quality you know tone on that and it's just such such a classic sound but it's also new for uh for a patrick song so love it they're pushing the envelope here it's such a catchy singable tune you know call and response on that chorus at the end there's there's so many elements of what makes a sloan song great on spend the day so for me 10 out of 10 yeah, and you, you, I love that you use the word boisterous. Um, <clears throat> he's of all the guys, and and Jay does this a little too. But you know, he'll be the one to kind of back up his own vocal with a yeah, you know, like he'll say yeah or something, and and he's doing that in this song, you know, and and you can hear the fun that he's having. There's definitely a confidence in his vocals here, yeah, um, that is uh, very welcome, and um, yeah, the, the tone, especially this song as well, but the whole record. It's very much the whole record when you listen to it has a very um, consistent sound, whereas especially an album like 12 that I love, it really definitely feels has that sort of mixtape vibe a little bit more, you know, Mm -hmm. like going from spin our wheels into right to Rome, very different sounding. Um, whereas this record, everything is very, is, has a very similar feel to it. Um, for me, my reference points would be like uh, Kiss, Dressed to Kill, or like early T-Rex, you know, like it's, it's kind of got that 70s kind of muscular feeling to it a little bit. Yeah. Um, and that's, yeah, I, I just love the way it sounds. It's definitely but, uh, like, although we have different styles of rock music, I'll say, on this album it's 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 a straight up rock album so i think that the parallel within the sloan catalog that's what we were talking about before recording is action-packed um Mm -hmm. it's kind of like the action-packed the latter-day action-packed but you know add some more chords into into the chord progressions because action-packed was you know three three chords in a, a cup of whatever um but it uh it it kind of has that like you said like super affirmative confident swinging quality uh and it's coupled with as you also mentioned just really excellent mixing uh excellent production and uh that's something that i think can unify 
even the most disparate of styles on an album. So if you think about Never Heard the End of It, the production quality across the songs is very consistent and consistently good. Uh, and of course, the mastering quality, which is what mastering is supposed to do. And that let you know that then results in something sounding like a very cohesive package. They did it did it on Between the Bridges too. Uh, yeah, you know, you mentioned Between the Bridges, another black and white cover. Maybe the Dress to Kill reference for me comes from this being a black and white cover as well. I don't right. know, um, but th- you know, there's a grittiness in the sort of musculature, like I said previously. Uh, and the guys on the cover of this record look like they would intimidate the shit out of the guys on the cover of Near the End. Never hear the end of it. <laughs> it's uh, they've been, as you once put it, I think Andrew has been working on his resting bitch face. Traffic and lights, connecting flights. She read it through. Track three, she put mm. up. She put up with what she put down. Um, oh my god such a great expression of jay's i know i say this in every single album review that episode that we do but like what a great expression of jay's songwriting abilities and for me and i'm going to go a little bit into uh minutiae about this one but it's evidence of why he's the chord progression wizard in the band so it like there was something about this chord progression that i heard upon first listening to it where i thought like that reminds me so much of x or y and it it's hitting a quality that i find so great and i'll tell you why um the verses are super simple it's like this beautifully introspective and whimsical one three four six chord progression um and if you listen to ooh baby i love your way from peter frampton it's the exact same chord progression uh so it's not nothing super uh off the hook but then he contrasts it with this bridge part which is a two and usually you would have like a minor a minor third but it's a two and he goes to a major third seven so essentially the minor third in the normal chord progression or in the, in, in the normal sort of chord circle would have been a b minor he does a b7 um so if you think about that, tra- uh, traffic and lights, connecting flights, it's the connecting flights chord. Mm. Um, and then and then moves on to the six and the four. And the additional minor second, so that A minor that he starts that bridge with, tonically, like that should move to that minor third. But by moving to the B7, it adds sort of this sense of like optimism because it's a major shift. But it also adds a sense of unease and tension because it's a seven chord, which wants to resolve to something more satisfying, like a major dominant chorus. So you have like the art of this for me comes from the fact that this bridge chord progression never actually resolves into a chorus. So you have the way that the song is built, you have verse, bridge, verse, and then like middle eight or, you know, B section. And then I think it goes back to back to the verse. Um, so it's always kind of wandering around in this labyrinth of like optimistic melancholy. Um, it's always like trying to find a resolution and it makes some progress in finding that resolution, but the end result is ultimately like it kind of just fades out. Um, and I love that. And it's, 
it, it it matches so well this pat to j idea of talking about this idealized nostalgic past tense female protagonist right um and they're even he's even dropping lines in there like history is often unkind and like it's combined with this chord progression it's it's just such a poignant formula and it reminds me of and we were talking about this yesterday too because i know that for the for the couple of weeks that we've been able to listen to this album fortunately i've been like guys uh she put up with what she put down reminds me so much of something and i can't put my finger on it but for me it's like i I figured it out yesterday it's jay's uh does this does this bus stop at 82nd street which is the uh song off of springsteen's debut album greetings from asbury park new jersey so if you listen to that song listen to early springsteen uh and the way that he kind of paints a portrait of these whimsical female figures it's very similar but it's done in obviously in a, in a patented Jay Ferguson way. Yeah, he's definitely talking about her, which is sort of his move. Yeah. But in, but in terms of incredible songwriting, we heard this song. Uh, yes. She put up with what you put down on Jay's last <clears throat> uh, side door acoustic show. Mm-hmm. It was it was previewed there. He didn't announce that he was going to be playing any new material. Suddenly that song name popped up, and everybody I remember in the chat was like, "What the hell is this? Is this a new song?" And Jay confirmed that it was new and that it would be on the next album. And I loved hearing it then. Like it was really neat to hear the lyrics and everything. But hearing it here on the record, it is a completely different experience. Right. It is. A, it's almost a completely different song in a way. Like obviously the lyrics are the same, but um, the manner in which it's performed as a full band here is just so artful. It's so incredible. It's a lyrical feast for one. Um, it's it's absolutely beautiful lyrically. Total. And, and, and again, we're talking about everybody's voice here. Jay's voice is in fine form. Everybody here vocally is in, is in top form. Um, and this song is just fantastic. We've been talking through the years about, or I ain't saying through the years. Sloancast is now two years old, which is crazy. <laughs> but anyway, uh, through these two years, we've talked about Jay and his search for sort of perfect pop. And kind of getting to that level and you know dare i say that he's there i don't want to say that he's plateaued but i mean like this is certainly next level shit and his three songs on this record are as perfect as can be um each greater than the last literally and so fantastic um but yeah this song is such a treat for the ears it's it's so beautiful lyrically such a beautiful catchy song classic jay ferguson right out of the box uh and, and in a way that even even songs on Commonwealth and his stuff on 12, which is so great. He's, he's at a neck. He's at another plateau here. He's on a completely different level. Hmm. Um, so incredibly excited to hear this, you know, 30 plus years into a band's career. Uh, it's unreal that these guys are operating at this level. It is. And really we just capped off the first three songs and the first three songs are such killers. I love how they do that. On occasion, on certain albums, they front load some of the best songs into that initial statement that they want to make in the first three. You know, they did it on uh, Double Cross, notably that they, notably that they had that triptych, and I think that this, in some ways, because it's you know three different uh, singers in this case, fits well together as sort of an opening triptych without having those necessarily those segues into each other, but. And you mentioned that to just to your point really quick. It is the same trilogy of songwriters as we yes. heard on twelve. Yeah. Um, but in 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 this in this moment here, this leaves that triptych in the dust. Like these three songs together are just such a one, two, three. 
Filipino, right, right, and the left. Unreal. Okay, try for human nature. For me, the after initial listening, I must conclude is probably the Billy Joelsiest of Chris's songs. Um, <laughs> in in the same sense that I think Billy Joel, for many of his lighter numbers, was going after that Paul McCartney ideal. So it's like filtered Paul McCartney. Um, and I think, and I'm I'm not using that in a demeaning sense. I oftentimes make references to, uh, you know, this, uh, this is album 13 in Sloan's catalog, which puts it at uh, Fantasies and Delusions, which is not the official, you know, not really an official Billy Joel album from my perspective. So I'll, after Steady, I have to stop making these Billy Joel album comparisons, but it just like the, the melody, the chord progression, the way it's built, this is just classic kind of mid seventies pop. Um, it's, and it's also another existential self-reflective Chris song, right? Like it's, it's very much in the vein of the, Hey, I wonder how relevant I still am series of songs, right? So fading into obscurity, um, for example, that, that lyrical content, very similar. And there's some great stuff going on here. Just the silvery harmonies, uh, that, cascade up and down in the song again very reminiscent of billy joel at his best and harmonizing with himself on his own songs you know sick bass line off the hook very prominent in the mix and you know for me i'm sure you're going to have some notes on the lyrical content um but for me it's just it's it's really this this art of chris dwelling upon something that's so innate to the human experience and to his own experience and being very frank about that and wearing his his heart on his sleeve, but doing it in a way that doesn't sound like camp or doing it in a, in a way that doesn't sound like, hey, I'm desperate for attention. Like he's doing it in a really cool way too. So I will hand the baton to you. <laughs> okay, here we go. <sighs> Human nature. I remember hearing a, in a, an interview with Chris a year ago and he detailed the titles of his four songs on the record and i remember hearing this this name and of course i'm thinking you know like everybody michael jackson or whatever but and i'm just thinking like what will this song sound like and it completely is not what i thought it would sound like at all it's my favorite song on the record currently no shit um yeah absolutely it's i mean for people who i mean you're gonna hear in a second but it's a perfect melding of classic chris songs like so far so good fading into obscurity even stuff like autobiography where he takes on the role of sort of father or older brother uh where he's sort of giving advice almost um in a way but uh this song is a little different in that he doesn't i mean he perhaps is singing about himself but he's using the royal we a lot so he's kind of you know edging into that we everybody kind of speaking about everybody in general right and um yeah, there's a there's a story here that I'll tell at some point, maybe in the future when we have more time, because I just want to get to these songs. But uh, I was honored to sit with Chris and actually hear <laughs> the, the songs on this record uh, a short while ago. And he was kind of singing along to some of them, frankly. And when he gets to the go on part, which everybody will hear when they hear the song, go on. He kind of motioned with his hand the way people sort of enjoying family gossip sitting in a circle would say and like oh go on like uh 
t- uh, don't tell me, but tell me everything. You know what I mean? Right, right. Uh, and right. so there's this very humorous, sort of inclusive, familial, sort of uh, conversational feeling to the whole track. Um, Morrissey has a great line <laughs> at the end of, uh, I remember there's a concert of his from something that I've seen where he, at the end of the show, he just quietly into the microphone at the end of the show says to the crowd, please don't talk about me when I'm gone. <laughs> and of course, of course, when he says that he wants everybody to talk about him, you know, so Classic it's that Morrissey. fun. Yeah. It's that fun sort of, uh, Lappin hotline vibe. And, yeah. uh, anyway, so yeah, I love this song so much. It, it is musically, sort of um i don't even know how to describe it musically how would you describe it because it's not a straight ahead rocker it's it's got sort of the swing of so far so good if you will yeah um but but it's sort of like another one of these like rock epics you know like something like you know like i don't want to just say beatles or whatever but like you know queen or any of these other bands that sort of have these like jaunty sort of swinging rock ballads that are not a slow song and they're not an upbeat they're not a totally fast song they, they it kind of lives somewhere in between yeah uh, and it takes a million different turns and it's just again a, just a lyrical feast it's just wonderful uh to the ears and yeah <clears throat> currently my favorite track on the record incredible that, that, and like chris you know to have that one-two punch of magical thinking and human nature jesus christ it the boys are giving you so much fodder for your slow musical uh these songs really from a, a <laughs> lyrical standpoint and just the way that they're composed are really like at once super catchy and memorable and but also yeah. like many of them feel as though they're telling you a story <clears throat> right and i almost spit up my drink there by the way like this is definitely young chris around the family fire listening to the adults talk about each other and stuff you know <laughs> it's it, when he's sitting around that family fire once you kick into that sort of second verse uh, verse after the intro verse then he gets up with his guitar and he's walking around the stage right yeah. um oh, i don't so want good. to talk anyways um yeah, yeah. <laughs> but uh we can we can leave that up to the uh, listener's imagination and i know that there are probably 50% of our listeners sitting at home cringing over this uh, concept, but we and, th- and that's the beautiful thing about music, right? You can put your own stamp on a track, right? Like we might be way off from what these guys were thinking, whatever, but you know, uh, that's all I can say is this song is incredible. Okay. And now we move on to the, I guess, first official single from steady. Is that true? I think we, yep. yeah, this is the first one delivered to radio. Uh, there's right. a video for it, obviously, as we as we heard about in the previous episode with Harris. Yeah. Um, and interestingly enough, as mentioned, I think on a previous episode, when Patrick was with us in early 2021, and God damn, would we love to talk to that guy again? Holy Jesus. But And that was such a classic interview, fantastic time with him. But then, I mean, I remember that they were recording and working on the record then. And I think I just was joking, like, you know, what's the single going to be? Because obviously, Patrick Hitmaker Pentland, it's safe to assume that he's going to have something that radio is going to love. Yes. And I think he jumped right on it. He was like, oh, yeah, the single's going to be Scratch the Surface. And here we are. Scratch the surface. There's something living on the other side. Musically and instrumentally, like, this song is pretty interesting, right? Like, it's got... It has that classic formula, but it feels so much more manic than even Money City, which is, you know, at the beginning, pretty manic sounding. Like this feels like it's just on overdrive. It's like it's like taking Money City and forcing it to stay up 36 hours and then like pouring a bunch of Red Bull down its throat, you know, and then (laughs) it's it's that like it has that and that matches the lyrical content, too. Um, 
And I think that it's an interesting examination. And every song that Patrick writes, he's also, even though he's not singing about it as much, he's just as upfront with emotionally, spiritually, whatever, where he's at right now with his songwriting. Um, And for me, this is also like, I can, I, because I know what Patrick has been up to since recording the last album and what, you know, what he's told us that he's been going through personally um, over the last couple of years, I can totally understand where he's coming from with the song. Uh, It's so, you know, in that sense, and I think that the simplicity of his lyric sheet doesn't do the song uh, and the complexity of the composition justice. Uh, I think where really scores for me is just the musical statement here. It's, it's a really, really interesting uh, composition and just the mix as well is really great. I love the, the way that the bass sounds in this mix and what the bass is doing in this mix. Um, I love the guitar sounds in this mix. I love the sort of, even just like the syncopation of all the different elements of the song coming together and building up, which is something that we also hear in Ill Place Trust and is sort of mm. also part of that classic Pentland formula. Um, it's for me like scratch the surface in this manic way is like in for a Patrick comparison, scratch the surface is to losing California or other or 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 you know like Money City as pick it up and dial it is to the other man for Chris. Like it's it's he's turning it up to eleven, as it were. Absolutely. And he's he's in territory where he's been recently, like a song like Take It Easy from Commonwealth or whatever. Yeah. Uh, or have faith from the last record. Um, but I, I remember the first five seconds of hearing this one, it's again, like that thing I said earlier, like, Oh my God, you know, it's that, you know, when you taste something that's delicious and it just goes down just right. And you're like, Oh, that hits the spot. You know, like it's, it's that magical Sloan Patrick Pentland sound. And uh, you know, the, the lyrics, like you were saying, they have a personal feel, but they also feel broad in a way, you know, like he yeah. kind of, again, feels like he's singing to everybody, yeah. uh, you know, scratch the surface. There's something living on the other side, something that's worth something living that's worthwhile. Um, and that can be taken very personally to his story, but also something that I think everybody can relate to. Um, and I think it is more, like you said, a little more related to ill place trust than money city, um, it's got like a, just a, a franticness to it. Um, but again, Chris in there with the, with the baseline kind of holding while the, while the chords circle around. Um, I love the call and response, you know, in, in, in areas yeah. where he gets really into it and says, you know, take it easy, baby. And you hear Chris in the background. Oh yeah. You know, like <laughs> it's, it's, it, you know, it's got those elements that make these guys incredible. And I, and you got to know that this is just a naturally occurring phenomenon with these people. Like it's not as though they have this checklist of, well, in this song, we've got to say at least we got to say, Oh yeah, twice. And we got to hit this reference or whatever. I mean, there, there might be that going on with like, you know, like anybody with the inspiration songs you like or whatever, but um, it's this magical combination of elements that when it comes together, this is what it sounds like. And as much as other projects, you know, like fuzzed out or tons or anyway, gang or whatever, have their special qualities they have their own special goodness like this combination of people you know these chemicals mixing together produce this perfect fucking magic yeah. uh, and this song is again another example of it and it's patrick just hitting homer after homer here on this record okay we're on to the first andrew song on steady how would you know you'd 
panic yep. at Runnymede. And panic on Runnymede. Uh, sorry, <laughs> I was thinking panic at the disco. <laughs> <laughs> panic on at the disco on Runnymede. Um, <laughs> which is, uh, you know, we very much pick up where we left off with Gone for Good, right? Uh, this oh, sounds, totally. you know, it's very much cut from the same cloth as uh, Andrew's 312 tracks, although especially Gone for Good 44 Teenagers. I think that you know, yeah. Year Zero has that slightly Brian Jonestown Massacre-esque quality to it, but this is very much in that more experimental vein. Um, like later Velvet Underground slash, I'm not going to say Dylan, but like th- that kind of songwriter-esque uh, quality to it. So it it's, I would even claim that Panic on Runnymede is more experimental sounding to me than Gone for Good. Like in Gone for Good, we have also incidental sounds being picked up, like birds in, in, in Andrew's backyard or something here you know you also have that but like lyrically and instrumentally it just sounds more experimental there there's really impressive kind of imagery that he's painting here really like lines like um time has a value that decreases every day and then we have this awesome hook that brings us into the like the non-existent chorus again how many sloan songs even have a chorus guys but um i i really need to sow seeds in the garden where the garbage can breathe it's uh you know it's 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 a really i think interesting foray into another just great foray into andrew's kind of off-kilter musical psyche that outro guitar solo for example it just for him it's a breeze he picks up his guitar he plays that it's not super complicated like the the skill level of that solo isn't like necessarily eddie van halen uh but it's so off kilter and it just sounds so weird and it's so thick and ominous and it's like okay i'm done with this song here gonna throw it out you know don't move on to the next one like for him it's probably just freaking like you know putting on his shirt every morning or something but it just sounds so signature and great um and of course for the animal lovers out there, uh, this is another song featuring Andrew's dogs. Yeah, I mean, it's it's got his dogs in there. You can almost just f- hear his fire crackling in the background. Yeah, you know, you can hear like a like a like an old like a Coltrane record on in the distance or something. Um, th- th- this is a guy when he puts a song together, he literally just rings out his soul and his yeah. in his brain and everything, and just like you, you hear it on the track. Uh, his songs are him, you know, totally. And, and, and there are people who don't perform that way. You know, there are people who kind of like, uh, and, and and perhaps a little in this band, but in, in another band, certainly where they take on a persona, that kind of thing. When you hear Andrew's voice, I mean, as soon as you hear this song, it's instantly him. There's no question. I mean, we've had songs certainly in the past. I've had the experience. And actually, this has happened on this record, too. I'll tell you what, what song it was when it's coming up in a second. I thought it was a, a Patrick song, and it was actually a Chris song. But, right. um, you know, in the past, I can recall hearing something and thinking, oh, it's a new Chris one or whatever. Oh, no, no, it's Andrew, you know. Um, but th- this song and, and the next one on, on, on the record that's his as well, as soon as it starts, it's like, boom, that's him. And yeah. I think the reason is, he's gotten into this sort of not a formula but perhaps maybe a little bit of a formula but a zone where he just sort of returns to this uh 
this this mystical place. And I know that Dylan for him is a big influence. I don't know how into modern day Dylan he is. Um, the 2020 album Rough and Rowdy Ways, which I really like, um, is uh, a, a collection of really long songs. Yeah. And it's actually really tough to put, pick them apart. Like musically, production wise, they're all very similar. A lot of the songs have similar cadences and musical changes. Um, it, it almost sounds like he just sat down for an hour and, you know, started playing the same chords again. And this is another one, you know, like to, to pick the songs apart is a little more difficult, but it's so artful. And, and the, the messages that he's singing about are, are unique. Andrew, in a way, like if you were to, if you were to take, and, and I use uh, Dylan as an example, because that was his record, his first record of new material in a decade at the time. Yeah, yeah. If you take the past 10 years of Andrew Scott, <clears throat> 44 teenagers, 48 portraits, gone for good, year zero, even she's slowing down again. And this, and these two songs, uh, Runny Mead and Close Encounters, if you put them together, you've got, you know, something comparable to Dylan's Rough and Rowdy Ways, as far as I'm concerned. Okay. They all really feel like one thought. They feel right. like one continuous piece. You yeah, know? even, even and, and they really of... feel to me like they kind of live together. It's as, to me, it's as if he recorded all these songs in one go and has been doling them out for ten years. I imagine that's not the case, but yeah. But even uh, for me, the pivot I think for Andrew was parallel play, and not all of parallel play. But think about the dogs which is for me that bridge between Andrew's stuff on Never Hear the End of It and then his later stuff. All right, so shall we move to the next one? Yes, oh my God. Dream, Dream. it all over again. Yes. Light a candle, make a wish, don't blow it out in my country. For me, like, it, dude, when I was talking about uh, the band's providing you with a lot of material for your uh, Sloan musical. This is the Jay and Chris duet that would fit very well into that yes. sort of who you talk into, you know, big brother, little brother scene. Uh, it's, uh, by the way, I think a really great name for that uh, in, in that regard for the musical would be the Navy Blues Brothers. Um, <laughs> just floating that out there. But no, it's another song. They're on, a mission, they're on a mission from Dog. <laughs> they're on a mission from the dogs um yeah. the, <laughs> the uh it's another one that's kind of indebted to dance rock stylings i don't i i know that's a perjurative term and i don't want to necessarily use it in that in that way but like it's a danceable song and i don't dance at rock concerts guy you know i get down into club but um this for me i just I respect and love how this band continues to try to give each of their albums a distinct fingerprint. And this is, like I said, a track. This couldn't have worked on 12. Uh, this couldn't have worked on Commonwealth. Like, imagine putting this beside Three Sisters. Like, it just wouldn't have worked. Uh, yeah. You know, so there's like, there's so much happening on this album with like new styles and not necessarily new from a cultural perspective, but new for the band. I'm not sure how to conclude this thought. Rob. Well, <laughs> you said it, man. We got, yeah, Rob, go. We got the pen pals back. Uh, or, sorry, my, I'm thinking of Hate My Generation, rather. Sorry. We got, we got the Hate My Generation guys back. Um, yeah, hearing Jay and Chris back and forth with each other, love it. Jay's been in this territory before with sort of upbeat rock songs, you know, Don't You Believe a Word, that kind of thing. Sure. But he's, again, next level Jay Ferguson here. That's my sort of like totem for this record for him. Next level Jay. 
um, he's 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 certainly come close to this territory before, but he's completely on a new plateau here. He's current. I don't know if this is this song is referencing anything specific in the past. Obviously, he he's a big fan of you know tipping his hat to uh, albums and, and, and musicians that he loves, but this doesn't sound like anything else to me. And it's got that sneaky chorus there. You don't yeah. see it coming in when it hits. It's so satisfying. Yeah. Oh yeah. my God. One of the catchiest choruses in this band's catalog for sure. Uh, as I understand it's, it's slated to be the next single. And I think potentially a video in the works, <clears throat> you know, I, I personally hope radio does well by this song, you know, if that's still possible these days, but th- this song is so fantastic. And, and something that we haven't mentioned yet either. I am so excited. Oh my God, to hear these tracks live, to hear these guys put a live spin on these songs. It's going to be so fun. Oh my yeah. God. These songs are so listenable on record, but I can't even imagine in a live setting, you know, like, Oh, just such a you know even going back to tracks from the past couple albums like right to rome and that kind of thing lion's share they're wonderful you know but i mean these songs have a real grit and a real teeth to them and a real excitement kind of bottled lightning um that has not been absent but just hasn't been a part of the mixture you know over the past perhaps decade i would say well and again Um, this is like uh with with maybe one or two exceptions this is just an album full of uppers. And what's the other Sloan album just full of uppers? It's action packed. So right, this right, is the, right. uh, like, without sounding like action packed, I think that there are a lot of qualities shared between the two. Yeah, it's, it's, it's bite size, it's travel size, it's incredibly satisfying. And with Action Pack, they were perhaps, you know, reined in a bit by Tom Rothrock. They were sort of like their edges were sort of sanded down, if you, if you will. Uh, here, it, it's, it's them kind of doing that to themselves. It's this perfect little, you know, slightly over half hour, perfect piece of power pop goodness. And yeah. this for me might, I mean, I said uh, that, um, uh, human nature is my favorite song this is probably right up there with it it's 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 fighting for the top spot and this is sort of for me the pinnacle of the record now we're going to come across jay again at the end of the record uh, right. which is again similar to action packed but yeah. um and he ends off the record on such a high note um, but this for me is rightly in the middle of the album it is the pinnacle it is right at that perfect spot right at the middle of the album awesome well moving from one of your favorite tracks off of the album to, for me, the absolute standout uh, Mm. for me on this album. Nice work if you can get it. Right from the get-go, you know, you notice that Bird's Eatles style, like Bird's Rubber rubber Soul Beatles sounding guitars. Again, like guitar sounds that we haven't ever really heard to this extent on any other Sloan album. Like, I don't want to call it jangle pop, and it's not Baroque or anything, but it does sound very Vox AC 30-ish. Like, it does sound very much like it could have been recorded in 1965. Not that it's, and not that it's vaudevillian. Like, he's doing that intentionally, and it's, Mm. you know, not a reference or anything. So, this entire song is just like, a sing-along it's like a super voice sing-along oh it's uh, so great but gonna take a little while for you to learn these lyrics because it's just <laughs> this it's this incredibly choreographed wordplay for me on par with who loves life more to draw another action-packed reference 
you know, the, the entire verse text is a series of contrasting idioms that somehow come together to tell a story. In, in, in this case, the story, the story kind of sounds like the life and times of Mike Nelson. Like it sounds like, you know, this is, this is what it takes to be the band's manager. Um, so I won't, I won't give too much away in terms of the content, but like listen to the lyrics and kind of reminds me of maybe he's singing about, you know, the manager of a 30 year old rock band, but there there's, I, I pulled one quote from the song to, to, to say on air here, but to give you an idea of like the quality of wordplay that's happening here, turning into what I hate, turning whiter than wine, turning right on a red, turning on a dime. And that just, that just keeps going. And it's not just that he's using the finding and using these contrasting idioms together. It sounds good because, you know, turning into what I hate, turning whiter than wine, like there's alliteration going on there, turning right on a red. It's, it's just such masterful songwriting. Ridiculous. And, it's insane. <laughs> yeah. And it's not even the best part of the song because the best part of the song <laughs> is the fucking music. Like it, yeah. the, these cascading backing harmonies on those sustained notes. And, you know, you can hear Greg working on this one and like just the, oh. the huge vocals happening and like the immediate comparison for me in the catalog, apart from who loves life more from a lyrical standpoint is anyone who's anyone. Because this song just comes out of fucking left field. It hits you right in the face. It's completely against the grain of the rest of the album. Um, I I would have loved for this to be the leadoff track. You know, the mixing is just perfect. The guitar work that I was telling you about, you it persists throughout that entire song and throughout all of that intricate vocal work, but somehow you can still hear the bass line pop. And there's just like a ton of space between instruments. And for me, that really emphasizes that rubber soul quality even better. This might be my favorite Chris track since Never Heard the End of It. Maybe even like maybe even in the second half of the Chris catalog in general. So like, you know, get hyped, people. It's it's so funny because um when I first heard this one, the first few chords of it, I thought Patrick for a second. Um, but I, and we, and you mentioned him earlier. It's, it's Murph. We should obviously, this is Chris, uh, with, with this one, with, uh, nice work. You can get it. Um, yeah, I originally thought it was Patrick for a second. And of course it's obviously Murph, uh, lyrical feast again. And I think I made the comparison at the time and I, I don't know if this is the direct, this is the direct reference, but, um, this would fit right with rain paperback writer. Yeah. Like you said, so, uh, it's, it's kind of certainly got that vibe. Um, but just such a stompy sing along, shout along chorus. Another one that I cannot wait to see. Live. Yeah. Uh, so energetic. And, and, and in the same way that Dream It All Over Again has this sort of just push and this energy to it, this is present here as, as well. And um, yeah, I, I love the idea of this one opening the record. It's hard to imagine where you put magical thinking if it's not first. I, I do really love the track list on this record too. It's kind of perfect. Um, there are so many songs that would work, obviously, as a as an intro or an outro. But yeah, the way they've organized it here is just spot on. And uh, yeah, Chris again coming in with with a rocker. Um, this sort of fits nicely right after Scratch the Service and Dream It All Over Again. And it's sort of a nice uh, midpoint to get us from Jay's you know shot of power 
and kind of leaning t- towards where we're going to get a little bit slower here with Patrick and Andrew in a second. Right. But, uh, yeah, so great. Do we want to move to the slow jam? All right. So uh, get your lighters out. It's uh, <laughs> We're moving to Patrick's Simply Leaving. Patreon followers of Patrick to give that uh, another plug will have already heard parts of this uh, that Patrick dropped, I think almost even a year ago when it was in the initial stages of, uh, of composition. You know, like I said, you have to respect this band for continuing to evolve and try new shit. And in this case, like a legit ballad uh, built on the be my baby beat uh, and with, you know, yeah. with synth strings, like it's, which is also like a Jesus and Mary. Sure, that's right, true. He's where he's wearing that shirt in the promo. That's show. true. That's a good, yeah, a good call. Um, all right, Darklands, uh, as opposed to um, what's the movie? What's the? Uh, it's more Darklands than Mean Streets. Yeah, it's just another song on the album in which Patrick's using the rhythmic qualities of his vocals in sort of a new and compelling way, right? So the cadence that he's delivering is staccato it's like and it's also syncopated with the actual beat and it kind of stands in contrast to this really slow and gradual tempo so um really i think it might be one of patrick's most compelling lyric sheets in the latter half of of this band's catalog like if you just listen to the words it's very very craftful and introspective um obviously about a breakup um you know, fans of the band will will speculate over over what exactly the situation was, but I think it's done in such a sincere way. And like I said, you know, Patrick wears his heart also on his sleeve in a slightly different way than Chris does um, when songwriting, and this is the result. Yeah, I mean, heart on your sleeve, no kidding. This one kind of took me by surprise when I first heard it. I'm sure it will be for most listeners. Like, it's a complete left turn. There isn't a song in the catalog like this, really. Um, save for, you know, I can feel it certainly in terms of the sentiment and the emotional gravitas of the song. Also, you know, Patrick returning to territory, like I'm not through with you yet in a way. Um, whereas both of those songs are sort of a little more, um, straightforward. Um, this one's got sort of just like, you know, like you mentioned, like that Mary chain beat, the the song itself almost just feels like a heartbeat, you know, it's, it's probably 120, I don't know if it's 120, but it's 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 pretty close to somebody's resting heartbeat i'm sure <clears throat> and uh yeah just what i mean what can i say about this one it's 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 i don't want to say it's a tough listen but uh, for anybody who's been through something or who's going through something currently um, emotional relationally you know this one hits really close to the core and you know you can hear in his voice you know where on the other two tracks uh, he's got a confidence and he's got a push and he's got an excitement and he's having fun. And he's like, yeah, this one is like just totally cutting to the yeah. bone and you feel every emotion in his voice. It's, uh, it's just amazing. Like, <clears throat> I don't know if this will be one that they ever play live. Right. Um, or, you know, perhaps we'll hear him do it on like a solo show online or whatever. But uh, yeah, this is quite an impressive song to me. It's, it's sort of got the vibe. I'm, I'm a huge John Hughes fan. The song has a, a sort of the vibe of 
you know, please, please, please let me get what I want kind mm-hmm. of vibe, sort of a Smith's yeah, vibe sure. in terms of the chords. Yeah. Um, it feels like it would fit right on a, you know, uh, a John Hughes movie about love and sure. loss and, you know, <laughs> that sort of stuff and relationships, uh, like a Molly Ringwald movie. Or right. something. It would fit right in there with that stuff. Uh, very poignant. And, uh, yeah, you got to hand it to Patrick. He's the one who just really opens up uh, and lets you really feel him. Yeah. Into yeah. All right. Let's move on. Close Encounters, the second and final Andrew track on this album. Uh, these times are insane. Another track featuring incidental studio noise and or incidental backyard uh, noise. Um, and I think in a similar vein to uh, Runnymede in, in many ways, but for me, a little bit more stream of consciousness in parts also just a lot more shimmering than Runnymede uh, and then other Andrew tracks uh, from 12. So, um, you know, you have these really interesting contrasting bits to the song. So it starts off a little bit dirgy and, uh, and, and sort of slow moving like uh, Panic on Runnymede, but then it picks up pace in the middle eight or in that B part. And really, I love how Andrew's songs can go, they can do this, right? They can go subtly from sounding innocent to sounding ominous at the flip of a switch. Um, you know, in this case, that switch might be the pedal on his blues driver uh, or whatever, but like it, you know, just the way that he uses that growl on his guitar to to kind of underscore the ominous sound of the B part um, really stands out here. So you have that that really kind of like light shimmery quality at the beginning that, that that's then contrasted with this dark kind of roaring thing. And um that's the real interesting part of this one to me, as well, of course, as once again, the really great bass work here. And I'm not sure if it's Andrew playing the bass, I assume it is because he writes amazing bass lines and uh, plays amazing bass parts on all of his songs. Uh, it kind of depends, I guess, in this case, on how the band came together to finish the album, which was, a, you know, admittedly a little bit different this time than it had been in previous years because of the constraints of the pandemic and and whatever restrictions were happening at that point in time. But um, wh- whoever it might be on bass sounds fantastic. The mix is great. The mastering of this album is fantastic. It just goes to show you that even this, you know, more kind of laid back Andrew statement fits amazingly alongside, you know, songs like Nice Work If You Can Get It. It all kind of comes together great. Yeah, it's a great, like you said, it, it, musically it sort of fits in with uh, with the previous song with uh, Panic on Runnymede. Uh, it, it kind of opens in the same sort of tempo, the same sort of vibe, and then sort of picks up and has these sort of really poppy choruses, um, which work really well rubbing shoulders with uh, with the next song, which is Jay's Closer. Um, but yeah, there's a beautiful reoccurring Greg vocal. I have to assume it's Greg doing this. Are you song. talking about the... the oh, I was going to say the ooh-la-la-la-las, like the if-you-won't-see-me ooh-la-las. Uh... Right. <laughs> Yeah, I can't place the voice in the song. I'm having. I'm just going to be left to assume it's Greg. It does sound I'm like Greg. Yeah, convinced otherwise. Yeah, um, but um, it's it, this great sort of reoccurring sort of mantra that is going throughout the song. 
Uh, and then, uh, whereas the other tracks, uh, you know, the instrumentation and the drums really kind of just serve the song. This one really takes kind of wild turns. And especially yeah. as he gets toward the end, you know, parts where he's doing like, you know, pretty big part of me that tries to let go. Like the, the, he uh, accentuates these like off time hits. I don't even know how to describe yeah. it. Like the way he rolls through the choruses later yeah. and the song kind of like uh, takes like a half time step down. I don't even know how you describe it, but like, you know, da 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 you know, yeah. like uh, he's just totally playing with the timing and the pull push pull of the yes. song. Um yeah, it's, it, which again obviously leads me to think that this is likely just completely Andrew playing with yeah. himself. But yeah. um <laughs> but uh yeah, just masterful. Masterful. And again, fits in perfectly with a canon of material that he's amassed over the past decade that is just so you know it just fits together. Yeah. It's, it's pages from the same. Yeah. Book. Yeah. hundred percent. Um, a lot of stuff going on here. I feel that was already kind of being hinted at in 48 portraits. Like it feels as though this is maybe For like sure. two pieces of, you know, two pieces that got the cut, got the ax on 48 portraits, but then that Andrew right. fleshed out into a full song, if that makes sense. We would have had 50 we portraits. Had 50 portraits. <laughs> Uh, that would have totally destroyed the reference to Gerhard Richter. Anyways, but um, that could have been Andrew's rap name too. Fifty portraits. Batman. Anyways, I dream of sleep. The uh, set, the penultimate song. A a song that I think any parents uh, listening to this album can uh, can very much associate with. Very important to get your, your Zeds, as I uh, say that at 4.13 in the morning on a Friday. But Chris, again, once again, pushing the envelope of, of what Sloan are and are not allowed to do on their records. Like, sorry, this is almost alt-country. Maybe to use references that we've had over the past hour or so, like, Every rubber soul also needs a what goes on, right? So this is almost like that what goes on, yeah. but in a obviously yep. much more talented way than what Ringo was able to lay down. Um, lyrically, super, super interesting and obviously full of that t- kind of patented Chris Murphy word- wordplay. I think the line that stood out to us when we were talking about this um, upon first listen was right off the bat, I want to see the Sandman fired. Yeah, this song's and this song's awesome. And you know, for every you know Beatles A side, you need to have "She's a Woman," <laughs> and then this song feels like that, a perfect melding of that track. And uh, for anybody out there who's into Charlotte Gainsbourg, she has a song called Five Fifty Five" about being up all night and you know no sleep tonight, that kind of thing. And she's essentially counting time throughout the night, which is what Chris is doing through the chorus. Right. And this song kind of has a very sort of classic song structure like he's literally just counting the hours you know one two three four you know he's he's counting through the night and um you know like i can definitely relate to this there have been points in my life where i've certainly had insomnia big time and you know no matter what you do you're just looking at the clock and you know like charlotte gainsburg says in her song it's like 555 no sleep tonight you know that's where it's at And uh, he, he's 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 using sort of that idea over the top of "She's a Woman" musically, right. uh, or you know, pick any of those early Bob Dylan songs from like the first two Dylan records. Yeah, that's a good. That's a you good. Know, I yeah, think that yeah. he's 
you know, I think Chris is musically sort of rubbing Andrew's shoulders and going, eh? You're lacking a juice? That a juice is good, you know, kind of thing. So uh, yeah. <laughs> he's appealing to him in a, in a, in a sort of a way. Um, as I said earlier, he kind of does that through the record. You know, he, had a, ha, he dips his toe in everybody else's sort of swimming pool and invites himself into their yeah. likes and dislikes. I could, he appeals to the music. Yeah, I could see this as a bringing it all back home kind of track and it's not like it's, yeah it's like country in that sense and it's not country in a garth brooks sense if that makes sense yeah no no it's 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 less little orton hoggett <laughs> and more like you know electrified dylan sure. kind of thing um or just like beatles like that some of those early beatles yeah, tracks were kind of playing songs that were originals but sounded like standards and that's sort of what i meant to yeah. say here this sounds like an old standard. It does. you know like if you told me that oh this is like some you know, <laughs> I don't know, some guy, turn of the century, Big Bill, Bron- you know, Bruzy, Jelly Roll, yeah, Morton, Jelly Roll Morton. whoever, somebody, somebody with a crazy name. Some right if you told me that was one of their standards, <laughs> yeah, if it was on the Oh Brother, we're at the soundtrack, I'd be like, of course it is. You know? um, right. But he, but he brings that this style. Is a Howlin', he brings this that is a Howlin' Wolf present. song. <laughs> Howlin' Murph. There we go. Freewheeling oh, Chris Murphy. Oh my God. But uh, um, the outro, <laughs> anyway, yeah, the, the outro of this song, I love how it has that bouncy uh, bass and lead guitar riff, which we've talked about in, uh, in 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 previous episodes, which is used throughout. It's a style that's used throughout Sloan's catalog, but it's very reminiscent of the Three Sisters backing riff. Um, the th- like, there's a, there's a line in Three Sisters that sounds almost identical to that. So I'm not sure if this is Chris ripping off Jay in this case, or if it's just sort of um, elevated inspiration or whatever you call it. My friend, we come to the closer of this album. It's even referenced in the song as being a closer. Mm -hmm. Keep Your Name Alive. Another Jay track to round off an album, and Jay has done that already on action packed as we mentioned i think there's something about finishing an album on a j song which i really like this kind of lines up with our whole theory about this sort of aligning with action pack almost 20 almost years 20 years to the year, to the year. um yeah. yeah so you know he says there was a time i opened with a closer and now he's closing with a closer it, it's got that j formula but it sounds new it sounds different um a lot of really interesting guitar interplay going on and you know when I first heard this song, you'd mentioned before that nice work. If you can get it, you thought that, that was going to be a Patrick song. I thought this was going to be a Patrick song when I first heard that intro, because it has that sort of like blues riff uh, quality happening, just like a really simple blues riff to, to open, um, which is typically a Patrick power move. But in this case, Jay's doing it as any perfect closer should this song has a chorus reprise, which I really like. So they have like a coda where he dives into the final chorus and there's a little break and then he goes right back into that final chorus again, which is such a great way of ending an album. Yeah, you mentioned the the fun in terms of the lyrics where his first line is talking about opening with a closer and here he is closing. Um, this is another one, like you were saying earlier, this would have been an incredible opener to yeah. the record as well. But I love that it's here. It's a re- they're, they're ending on a really strong note here. Like they're ending with what could essentially be another yeah. single, as far as I'm concerned. Uh, you know, this mirrors Keep Your Dream Alive in terms of like just perfect J rocker, incredibly catchy chorus. You know, 
Uh, and, and and speaking of, as he goes into the pre-chorus, he he literally sings about counting one to five. Chris was just counting through the counting around the clock in the previous song. So there's that little bit of fun right. too. Again, these are things where I I often think like, was this calculated or is this just a happenstance? If it's a happenstance thing, then we're chalking it up again to the magical magic of these yeah. guys. Um, and even if they're planning that out, again, they're planting seeds. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, yeah, this is just such a fun one. I'm trying to remember what song it sort of reminds me of in the in the catalog. Um, in terms of the way that it ends, I mean, I guess in the way that Fade Away closes out Action Packed, just a great, you know, fucking mid-tempo rocker to close up the record. This one, I would suggest, uh, I love Fade Away and I love that whole record, but I, I prefer this song. Um, and dare I say, these are my favorite J songs. Like, I, I know that's insane to say, like, given this catalog, Commonwealth would and like everybody's so... Word. No, I know, and I love the Commonwealth A side. Fuck, it's so tough because those songs are so perfect. Yeah. But just for you know, <clears throat> the way that they're that there's only three of them. Right. Each of them has a really specific tone. Each of them is perfect. Right. These three songs, and I mean, this whole record is is a masterpiece. But these three J songs are J. He he's he's there. Yeah. And again, I don't want to you know tie him in a in knots and say that he's plateaued and say it's downhill from here. That's not the case, um, but um, obviously, but he's on another level here. And, and and I don't think there have been a collection of J songs like this where he's just like Homer, Homer, yeah. Homer, boom. You know, like, and, I, and trust me, I, I hear you on the Commonwealth thing because those tracks are so great. And he's had so many classics throughout the career. I mean, I could go through all yeah. of them, Junior yeah. Panthers and Witches, yeah. and blah, 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 you know. <laughs> Even just on the previous record, yeah. you know, like Right to Rome is like almost as perfect as you can get. He's he's upped the ante here big time. And I think the listeners will agree when they hear, you know, I, I don't want to call it a contest or whatever, but he, he nearly steals this album. There's a solid argument for that. Um, you know, like Chris is certainly the backbone and Andrew adds his color and, and Pat, Patrick's got the sort of magical Patrick singles in there. It, and those are the elements that really make this 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 band the greatest fucking band of Absolutely. all time. You know what I mean? Like yeah. you have these four and these four specific voices that deliver the goods that you expect yeah. from them. You know, uh, and and they're not you know just going through the motions and they're not just pulling up you know what's worked in the past and kind of re- you know retreading it and recycling it. This is new, perfect, beautiful material from these four amazing dudes. Who have been who, who we are lucky to have been fans of this whole time because goddamn is this paying a dividend yeah. now? I never would have imagined, you know, when I was like 16 that I'd be here in my early 40s talking about this band still. You know, I'm so happy yeah. that I got on this train when I did and that I've stuck it out with these guys because they have made it worth it. And you know what? Like tongue in cheeky, I was saying, you know, Commonwealth would like to have a word, but this album will put you in front of the impossible decision of trying to choose what your favorite album and your favorite songs are from these guys, because they just keep delivering at such a high quality. So I know that we were talking about how does this album stack up against, you know, prior albums. And of course you can't necessarily answer that because on a monthly basis, you might have a different favorite album. I, you know, you, you told me after having that ethereal, um, unreal uh chris in a parking lot uh preview album listen uh and we chatted about that for i don't know how many hours because you were giddy like a schoolgirl talking to me about that afterwards mm-hmm. 
not a, yeah. not insufficiently jealous of that um episode in your life rob but uh it you know it you were, you told me after that that it's right up there with never heard the end of it for you which is such a statement because yeah. we you know listeners will know how much we revere that album i will also say after having given this album a lot more attention uh in preparation for this episode that and i i I previously have been noted as saying that 12 is my favorite Sloan album since Never Heard the End of It. This one for me is on par with 12. Um, It's right up there. I think in many ways, 12 has sort of a more subtle, um, like it's subtly excellent and there's fewer like standouts. I think Steady has more standouts uh, as an album. Like nice work if you can get it for me one of my favorite Chris songs and they're 31 years into their freaking existence. Like wh- what were the stones putting out fan favorites on bridges to Babylon? No. Like give me a fucking break. They didn't make it 20 years. No. And even if you think about like the third, their 13th, out, like stones 13th studio album was black and blue, like fool to cry is on nobody's list. So come on. Um, you got to hand it to these guys. This album is fantastic. You're going to love it. There's something for everybody in it because it's stylistically just all over the fucking place, but it's still so cohesive sounding and so envelope pushing, such a rock and roll album. So if you're a fan of Action Packed, if you're a fan of Rubber Soul, if you're a fan of uh, Big Bill Brunzi, if you're a fan of any of these guys, like it, there's something for everybody in Steady, and yet it's still such a universally Sloan sounding album. So hats off, buy this fucking thing. If you haven't already, I'm assuming everybody listening to this podcast will have pre-ordered within seconds of the pre-order thing dropping. Um, but it's just so great. Rob, do you have any concluding thoughts on SETI? Of course I do. If you're a Sloan fan, this record is for you. And, and they, they, these guys have completely delivered. It is illegal how awesome these guys are. Uh, you know, you can you can look back through the catalog, and you were just saying earlier about it comparing to twelve. This this album blows twelve away from me completely, and really is only in contention with other records for a nostalgia factor. Like I've got a special place in my heart for one chord to another, and never hear the end of it. You know, because those songs are so perfect, and you know it was a place in my life, and blah blah blah. But if you had to Desert Island disc me right now, and I have like five seconds to choose, I'm picking fucking wow. Steady because this one's got some serious shit on it it's so fresh in my mind yeah. like i've been listening to it nonstop since i got it and it's still I, I like the songs that i was maybe even a little lukewarm mm. on or the ones that i even liked at first i love yeah. you know yeah. it's so listenable it, it just the songs transition so well it's so fucking great man and i challenge anybody it, you know if you pick it up and you listen to it right away and if there's anything that sort of maybe turns you off for just a second give it a give it a second or third listen you know and and, and that's another th- great thing about classic albums is that they're growers yeah. you know sloan have that perfect balance of immediacy with some of the songs like patrick or some of the growers like a song like human nature or something which you know i don't know maybe uh, right out of the box if somebody might you know it's their, their favorite song but for me like you know after a couple of listens i'm like jesus christ the layers yeah. here it's just like peeling a delicious onion right, a delicious onion. Um, <laughs> it's like it's like peeling an orange i'll say that more like peeling okay but it just gets more delicious as you get to the center. And I will say real quick, we talked about the me hanging out with Chris. The, the story there, real quick. He offered to let me hear the record. We got in my car and went to a parking lot in Toronto and listened to it. 
and I left my fucking radio on without the car running, and my battery died. So after the end of the listening listening session, I'm going to drive him home, and my fucking car is dead. And he hung out with me in that parking lot for hours while we tried to get somebody to give him a jump, and then ultimately a truck came and you know started the battery, and I drove him home. He could have walked home. He was probably a five, ten-minute walk from his house. Right. But he didn't. He hung out with me in that parking lot for an excruciating couple hours, making jokes and telling stories and hanging out. And I say that to say that, again, it is completely illegal that these guys are this insane musically at this point, but they're also solid people. Yeah. And I think you and I can say we've had the pleasure of meeting and talking to them and knowing them a bit. And obviously, we've interviewed them, save for Jay on this show. And they're solid dudes, yeah. you know? And so that deadly combo. You know, I feel so lucky, like I was just saying a second ago, to be a fan of this band because not only have they delivered this quality at this point in the career, they also just happen to be some of the best dudes. You'll Absolutely. So kudos to you, Sloan. Thank you for existing. Thank you for kicking ass. Yes. And uh, yeah, whatever you got coming on the pipe, we will take it. Rob, is it safe? It feels good. So do oh it. Oh my God. <laughs> Rob, Rob, is it safe to say that the moral of Sloan Steady is the friends we made along the way? <laughs> absolutely it is like gun gun to your head just to like put a bow on this episode gun to your head top three songs on the yeah. album oh that's easy uh so it would be uh let me just think here real quick it'd be human nature um fuck that's easy <laughs> gun to your head revol a revolver to your head Okay, I'll go uh, dream it all over again. Magical thinking, human. Okay. Being. What are your three? Chronological order. Spend the day. She put up with what she put down. And nice work if you can get it. I love how we have different top three. Yeah. So guys. Yeah. And 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 listener, you're gonna have different top three too. Yeah. Blech. It's so tough. Yeah. An embarrassment of riches. An embarrassment of riches. An an embarrassment of anyways. But um, it's I. I just can't wait to get the fucking vinyl. Like this is going to be so great when it arrives in Dusseldorf whenever, but um, guys get hyped. This album is so great. We were so, we're so grateful to Sloan for letting us have an advanced listen uh, to the album. And in Rob's case, two advanced listens. Um, so guys like run to the closest HMV, Sam, the record man, or what's another one. <laughs> Uh, sloanmusic.com or sloanmusic.com and get a real album that'll anyways my sorry my closing remarks kind of fell apart there you can, can you're good at closing all, all good no that's it guys like I, I i intended honestly for this episode to be 20 minutes of us not you know being full of hot air and yarning on and just playing the tracks so you guys can kind of hear them we've obviously been very long-winded so apologies in that regard uh you know hopefully you earmarked where the song cues were and you can go back and listen to these little bits and hopefully once again this episode doesn't get pulled for you know a copyright or whatever but uh you i mentioned again uh, just a moment ago sloanmusic.com where you can pick up the record obviously but there are tour dates uh for 2022 and 2023 if you haven't seen all across canada so if if you're listening uh here it's october 2022 these guys have got a ton of dates coming up so if they're going to be in a neck in your neck of the woods check them out live 
and get up to the show, tell them Sloancast says hi, and uh, yeah, show these guys a big shot of love because they're the greatest fucking band of all time. We are happy that they exist, and we hope you enjoyed this preview episode, and that come October 21st, you enjoy the record just as much. So thanks for listening from my friend Ken, myself. Have a great one, guys. We will see you next time right here on Sloancast. Bye-bye. Yeah.